Hello, great men and women, and welcome to our first totally random fifth of Friday session of social drinking. I'm your host, Zach Dubacco, and here with some of our previous guests to hash out a few listener questions and just bullshit the night away. So, did we decide, am I still singing the song? So here we are in this random fifth Friday. It's a fucking pain in my ass, but who really cares? Uh, so I decided just to have a bullshit session and maybe do some drinking along the way. So uh, let's, um, this will be with rare exceptions and uncut experience. But, so, are you gonna take out your grammar error? Which one? Me and my guests. My guests and I? Yes. Something, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, we'll see. But we can't go live because one of us will definitely say something that we'll totally fucking regret and it will screw up all of our lives and our careers. But let's do a quick rundown. I'm gonna go by my screen and who came in first, so. Luke's name was here first. Okay, then I guess, Luke, you're going first. <laughs> oh, well, all right. Uh, uh, in, in spirit of, of the, the topic, kind of like free for all, I'm, I went with a Cuba Libre. Ooh. So with um, Malibu coconut rum, Ooh. very tasty. And of course, I have I, I got some American honey here too. Of course, I hope everybody has something to shoot at the end. If not, just oh, crap. Yeah. I need to shoot with. <laughs> well, no, you don't. You don't have to. You can just drink your water. I, All right. Well, Luke, thanks for I, stopping in. Sherry, you were number two, uh, but number one in our hearts. Uh, uh, so, what are you drinking tonight? Okay, so I uh, went back into uh, the dark spaces in my freezer and found that I have about two inches left of a very old bottle, an aged bottle of black cherry and vodka, which for a very long time was my go-to. It makes a mean, mean martini. Um, however, as I explained, um, becoming part of these broadcasts inspired me to buy some bougie highball glasses. Um, and so I am partaking of that straight. Yay, yay. Oh, straight. That's that's oh, just vodka. Yes. Oh, Sherry's here to party. <laughs> I I've drunk straight on every episode. So. I just always thought it was mixed with something a little bit. Maybe right. a seltzer. I'm that's a purist. Great. Sorry. I, I I love it. I love it. And Kelly had to rush from a dinner party because she thought we were recording this on Friday. Uh, so Kelly, what are you drinking? What wine are you drinking? I'm drinking Urban Barrel Cabernet. Oh my. Okay. The neighbor is actually drinking that right now. And I tried to get him to come on tonight, but he still just says he's not really ready yet. Uh, but he's been talking that wine up for weeks. Uh, but anyway, okay. And then there's me, just a little old me. Tonight I'm drinking a Voodoo Ranger, uh, hazy, juicy haze IPA. Really, really tasty. 7.5% alcohol. I'll only be having one tonight because, well, as Sherry and Kelly can attest to, after the last <laughs> round of shots heard around the world, I was shwasted. Uh, I, I could not. It was a rough morning for me. Plus, I drank all night last night with my <laughs> high school buddy. But, but to your credit, you were up and at them quite early and on time. Oh, yes, that's right. Because the night, oh, yes, I had to stop and get a McDonald's breakfast sandwich just to get some grease in me to kind of detox my, oh, it was a rough two days last week. So I'm going to yeah. stick with one beer and yeah. one shot. And no more wine for Zach on shots heard around the world, or at least just a glass and not a whole bottle. Uh, because last episode of Shots Are Around the World, I drank the whole bottle. Uh, but anyway, um, so there's the rundown. We're all here. So Clay couldn't make it tonight, but that's okay. Uh, but a quick shout out. And Luke and I have had this conversation many times. But shout out to the people down under, uh, the people of Australia, who just became my number two supporter of the show, surpassing France with 
I believe upwards of four or five listeners, not just downloads, but listeners in Australia. So shout out to all you guys. Uh, you just beat France. What, Everybody what about beats your- France. Oh, oh you're going <laughs> to cost me listeners. Honest of question. Some of these came from listeners. Some of them I just wanted answered. And anything you guys want to talk about is fine too. But I wanted to start with something we could all answer. And that was starting with the great men that I've covered, we've covered uh, by this point themselves. Who do you think was the evilest, most ruthless of all four of our first greats and why? Who wants to start? I'll start. I'd have to say Joseph Stalin. Even though he is one of my favorite men to teach, he is brutal. He's ruthless. The gulags. He sent his own son to exile. He just has no regard for human life. And he killed, what, 50 million people? Well, so. we'll never know, but yes, sky's the <laughs> limit, really. <laughs> so by numbers and just heartlessness. Yes. All right. And who wants to go next? I, I think it's got to be Stalin. Like, like, not not to sound like the other two aren't douchebag, <laughs> genocidal idiots. Stalin takes the cake. He, like, like you said, Kelly, he killing 60 million people. Keeps going up. <laughs> it keeps going up. Every day we find more deaths for Joseph Stalin. But Sherry, who are you thinking? Okay, so you know I'm going to disagree. Favorite uh, drinking with great men in history, Christopher Columbus. Um, I told Zach I was up at uh, St. Armand's Day this weekend, and I went past the statue and sideways glanced and saw it was Columbus. And my first thought was, what a piece of shit. And I have, my rationale is two, two things. First of all, um, as everybody knows, and I don't want to say I have a soft spot for Joseph Stalin, but I really feel that the root of all Stalin's issues came from his immensely broken heart early in his life. And so I have to tip my hat to that. And I still think that we don't know a lot of Columbus's story. Well, and I, and I think the little we do know about him is horrific. So really what we don't know about him is probably even worse. So my book goes for Christopher Columbus. Well, I'm going to throw a real curveball and say it's George Washington. I'm kidding. It's not George Washington. Uh, but I am going to have to go with, uh, I'm really torn. I think Columbus was, I don't think that he was purposely as evil. He was evil. He was like a really nasty prick. But, you know, Stalin just jumps off the page as, like, one of the more evil men in history. But I, I, I just don't, you know, I'm going to stick with Stalin as the evilest we've covered so far. You know, I thought they come up all the time, but we don't always get to talk about them in these shared episodes. Uh, but I kind of wanted to know, uh, what, was, what was the favorite moment in the margins that you guys encountered as we were listening? Because, you know, those, those are really fun for me to cover, and I probably have my personal favorite but they, they don't often get talked about. And Kelly brought up one last week, and I was like, huh, they don't get the, the, the spotlight in this. So I guess for a quick rundown, uh, the, the choices would be Malinche, Martha Washington, Phyllis Wheatley, Rosie, who, whose last name I cannot say, and um, oh shit, who was in the Columbus episode? Oh, Isabella of Castile. For me, I would say Malinche, because I'd never heard of her. And then I did more research after your episode and found her super fascinating and also i did the same for rosie and i can't tell you how many websites she was on for like most notorious serial killer of all time yeah and she gets that whole serial killer motif to her this femme fatale kind of thing as opposed to genocidal maniac which i i, I guess i guess there's like a breaking point you kill 120,000 people you just didn't make it as a genocidal maniac so you're still a serial killer sherry what about you I'm going, with this, I'm going with Isabella. Um, you know, we got an evil 
queen um, who has posed herself as the do-gooder for her citizenry. But I think Isabella knew exactly what she was getting into with Columbus. I think ultimately wanted wanted power for herself and for her country. So I'm going with her. I love that point because, you know, Isabella was an advocate for the better treatment of the natives. She said we shouldn't be enslaving them. But in the end, she was like, oh, but we're going to make more money if we do. So, uh, you know, so I, I love that. I, I, you know, I would maybe pick Isabella the evil side of it. I, I love it. I never thought of her as, as ruthless as that, but she kind of was. Luke, what about you? All, all great storylines have those great love stories and an evil meaning. Game of Thrones, Cersei, um, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, The Queen of Hearts. So I thought you were going to say Alice. I was like, curveball, Alice is evil. <laughs> um, but, oh yeah, I love it. I love it. Luke, what about you? Now, Isabella was was she indifferent towards expelling the Jews from Iberia? Wasn't Ferdinand, maybe I'm just getting totally confused here. Or was Ferdinand indifferent to it? Or One fun fact is that Ferdinand was actually a descendant of a uh, converso. So a Catholic Jew converted to Catholicism from probably about the 12 or 1300s. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, both of them wanted the Jews gone, primarily at oh, the suggestion okay. of their religious consuls. Uh, the Jews, the reasons the Jews were expelled was because they were seen as a threat to the, the converso population. These new Christians, as they were called. And it was like the, the, the Jews were like a poison that would sway them back to Judaism. Uh, so that's kind of why they expelled them. So yes, for the sake of Catholic unification of Spain, okay, you wanted them out. So what are you thinking, Luke? Okay. Uh, I'm going to say the, the Rosie the Russian, because I, I had not heard of her before you talked about her. And, and I did some extra research too. And she just sounded like, like one of like evil achievements. Like she would be on, on the Mount Rushmore of evil achievements. Yes, I I agree. That one that nobody's heard of, but she belongs there, and she has yeah. for it too. Um, y- you know. And then when you looked up her picture, she looked exactly like I thought she would. Yes. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. Like a weird, heartless in her her pictures. You know, Isabella's heartlessness can be painted out, but a photograph you can't. Um, Rosie was fun for me. I, I enjoyed Rosie. I did, but I have to say my favorite person to cover. And I mean, my whole point of the show was not to go into the obscure people in the background, uh, but I've ended up doing that almost as much, if not more, <laughs> um, but in a shadowy way. Um, but for me, I, I got to go with um, Phyllis Wheatley. I, I loved learning more about her. Uh, and, you know, one thing that I love to study is slavery and the slave trade and up to its end uh, outside the United States. Civil War is not my biggest thing. But uh, her, you know, the way she used poetry to express the woes of uh, the woes faced as a slave, uh, that's kind of like a rarity. Uh, everybody writes their biography and tells their story. She wrote poems and awesome. We kind of got all of them in there. But awesome. Who do you think accomplished the most in their career? You know, I'll, I'll go first this time. I'm going to say... George Washington. I'm going to say George Washington, and then I'm going to ask the second half of my question, which is who had the greatest obstacles to overcome? And I'm going to answer them both simultaneously. I think George Washington accomplished the most, but out of all four men, I think that he had the least, uh, the least greatest obstacle to overcome. Columbus was in the unknown. Cortez was outnumbered far more than George Washington was. It's, you know, I mean, Stalin had Hitler uh, to deal with. Uh, plus then after Hitler... <laughs> all his friends. So there's the two questions. Who accomplished the most? And then who had the greatest or lead, you know? I, I agree with you so far with Washington. I, I think on, on both counts, because I think people wanted to give him, like people were laying it at his feet to take. Um, 
I agree and disagree with both your points on Washington. Like Luke made a good point that power was just given to him, which, you know, least obstacles. But I also think that's why he accomplished the least because it was just thrown at him. He didn't even want it, but they were like, take it. I would never say that about Washington because, you know, he's awesome. But I would have to go Stalin for both. And I mean, yes, I am a 20th century kind of girl. You know, the World War II, Cold War, he revolutionized Russia. He took over pretty much half the world and ruthlessly and awfully, but he accomplished a lot. Okay, so I'm going with accomplished the most in his career. I'm going with Columbus um, because, again, uh, Columbus, uh, we're talking, what, 700 years ago, and the man still is erroneously celebrated. So I'm going with Columbus, and uh, as far as the obstacles go, um, I'm going with Joseph Stalin. He was a short man, um, gave him something just inherent that he had to overcome. He was a mastermind at doing that, and, uh, again, um, got people at least to blindly be obedient to him, even though they probably could have just stepped on him and wouldn't have been a problem because he was so damn short. So by four, he wore lips. So we kind of have all grasped an understanding now of what drove these men to accomplish these amazing things, but can it all be boiled down to the same things? Can we say Cortez, Columbus, Stalin, and Washington all were driven by the same thing? If so, Sherry, what is it? And then... Um, what, what about Cortez? Did, did you bring in any information about his childhood or upbringing? You, you know, actually, he just came from basic obscurity, ended up uh, doing okay of a job in the Caribbean during the conquest of Cuba, and then had the right connections in Cuba with the governor, Diego Velazquez, and ended up kind of... Honestly, I, I see Cortez's rise or his success as 50% deception of others. Uh, really just being able, willing to screw over everybody else just to see his final goal play out. I know we didn't do Twisted Psych for him or Washington. Um, and that was the first No, time. but, you know, be, being a hearty fan of Sigmund Freud, you know, Freud, Freud believed that everything in your adulthood came from three inherent parts of, of your being, your unconscious, this deep dark layer of your personality, and govern the behaviors that you either unconsciously or purposely showed other people things that happened in your early childhood and uh, your desire for sex. So, you know, I think when we look at all of those, um, Cortez is the one that I'm least familiar with. Um, certainly, if we look at Columbus's story, if we look at uh, Stalin's story, who's the other one? Who's the fourth one? Oh, Washington. I, I think that there are parts of that that can be attributed to their story, but I also think that the idea of what you just mentioned, getting other people to be obedient to you, mm -hmm. I mean, like Kelly mentioned with Washington, um, Washington didn't want the presidency, and, and people laid it at his feet, that he took it, um, but have still said no, and just ridden off into the sunset, and gone back to his plantation, but he chose not to do that, so... Um, I, I think that desire for power is something that is also common to probably any great man or woman in history that we could we could discuss on the show. I don't disagree. I mean, I think for Cortez, just chiming in what I know, I think that he had a desire to dominate what was in front of him, to dominate others. And I think you know, he saw, maybe there was the, obviously the religious motivation. Religion, really, in the medieval, early modern period, religion's almost psychological because it is the driving force in every breath you take. So I, I never really thought about it that way, but, you know, this idea to dominate the heathens, I guess, in a way. Kelly, you right away were saying, I don't know if everybody can be summed up 
together. Is that what you, you have something to add? Um, I agree, but one element that could maybe be part of it is adventure is, you know, there's, there's this aspect of the unknown that we don't know what's kind of going on. Maybe not so much for like Stalin, but the rest of them, you know, like Washington was a general, he got to like do the Indian wars and the other ones were explorers. It's, it could be one of those elements. It's the just, factor in a way. well, it's, it's new. It's something like, cause I know George Washington was always seen as a simpleton, which I disagree with completely, but he could have seen, you know, war as like an escape. We just lost uh, our psych expert uh, somewhere. She disappeared. Uh, Sherry's disappeared. So we're going to let Luke talk for a second. Hopefully uh, Sherry returns. And then I just have one more question and we'll wrap this up for them. Um, I think Stalin, I think there was something about Stalin and I'm no, I'm no psychology expert, but yeah. I think that there was something about Stalin that there was a fear of the unknown for him, which I think could have driven him to do the things he did. And I and I wanted to ask too. Uh, I don't remember if you talked about this in Twist of Psych or in a in a shot her around the world. I, I can't remember which. But there were uh, someone implied that Stalin did all those things um, for Russia. I I'm of the opinion that he did those things for Stalin uh, to consolidate his power. I never said for Russia. I said for the greater good. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I still disagree that. Out of a population of 150 million in the 1930s, 20 to 30 million deaths, that's still the greater good. Uh, you know, like, I guess the point I make is, uh, it's a rough comment. I know, Kelly, it's a rough thing to say. <laughs> but I guess the point I'm trying to make here is, the, the point I made was, if you lived in Moscow and had no clue what was going on in the Ukraine, you were thinking Stalin was doing a damn good job, uh, so long as you didn't die. Uh, or get thrown in the gulag, or piss Stalin off in any way, shape, or form. But, uh, Sherry, you didn't miss much uh, in your disappearing act there. Uh, Luke just kind of gave his thoughts and opinions. Uh, And I guess, for me, the only thing I would add is something that's unique for Washington, and I think just Stalin, and not Columbus and Cortez, is something that necessarily didn't exist in Columbus and Cortez's day, which is the psychological background, or the, the psychological drive for patriotic nationalism. I don't know how that plays into psychology, Sherry. Maybe you can explain it briefly for our listeners. I was going to bring that up, too. I, I think that that's something that can't be discounted, that, that pride in building part of the history of your place. And I think that that was something that can be attributed to all of them. I think even even for Cortez, um, you know, what, what he found and what he did brought not only him glory, but his background and his people glory. So I, I think that that is a valid point to bring up. It, it is a tricky thing because historians are told that you can't use nationalism as an example until like the set late 1700s. It's like a rule, but it's there. Columbus said, yeah, well, so that's why I don't think you can discount it. Culture, doing things for culture, even if you don't want to call it nationalism, is extraordinarily powerful. Yeah, I, nationalism astounds me. It, it makes people love something and hate others so much. And I, I just, it's almost impossible to understand. I mean, for years, that's the only reason people fought wars was because Germans hated Frenchmen, Frenchmen hated Germans, etc. Australians, for my listeners in Australia, Australians hated emus, emus hated Australians. That's it. <laughs> All right, but um, what's, no. what's interesting about that too, from a psych standpoint, is even when Western countries, which tend to be more individualistic 
they, they praise and they, they value individual accomplishment and individual drive, it still boils down to that collectivist idea that you are patriotic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we just got done with Memorial Day. Everybody's hanging American flags. People are wearing American, you know, motifs on their shirts and everything. And so um, even though we are... I think Luke, Luke's point came into point here is because Stalin, I agree with him, Stalin is not nationalistic. I think he was pro-Stalin, but I think he played upon the nationalistic aspect of Russia. Okay. Uh, so I think he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew propaganda, knew how to work it, but I, don't, I would not call Stalin himself as Mr. I love Russia. Well, he was Georgian, so that might be true. <laughs> so I guess I would say my only argument to what you and Luke are bringing up, Kelly, is not the Georgian point's great. I, I love that, is to be a Russian in Stalinist Russia, nationalism meant loving Stalin. That is yeah. wholeheartedly what it was. So whether it's built on fear or not, I, I mean, I guess I see it as, when Hitler invaded, there was certainly a sense, an ignited sense of nationalism in being Russian and fighting back the Nazis. In the Cold War, being Russian. So I, I, I did have one final thing I wanted to pose, and I don't want it to go too much longer, uh, but I put a poll to uh, my Facebook group, uh, and it asked if they could erase, if you, the listeners, you guys, me, everybody, if we could erase one of DGMH's first four greats from history, who would it be? And tell us who you think, if we could. And you have to pick somebody. You can't do, oh, I don't want to erase anybody from anybody's history. we got to have them all. Obviously. Colum Columbus, I'd erase him. You would erase Columbus. Why? You know how I feel about indigenous people. Uh, no, the fact that he obliterated the entire population, people were committing suicide, the slavery, and the fact that it was all, oops, I found this land. Oh, well. Uh, you know, <laughs> all right, so we could have done without Columbus. You, you're actually implying that we could just remove Columbus entirely and it wouldn't have changed our history hardly at all. Uh, we would have been like Cabral, right. Silvio, Blue in 1500. Not as catchy. All right. So, um, all right. Luke, what do you think? Uh, first, I want to say that I absolutely hate this question. Sure. Okay. I, this is an awful question. <laughs> I hate this question. Why? Um, because, because I'm one of those traditionalists that you, like, put on blast there, said you can't not get rid of anybody. Well, I, 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 that's the answer is you can't get rid of anybody, but it's, it's more fun if you pick somebody. Okay, fine. Uh, I will go with I will go with Cortez because I'm I'm sticking with the argument that I put forth in that shots episode that if Cortez wasn't there, somebody else would have come along and done the exact same thing he did. Boo! You well, booed yeah. me the first time too. Uh, yes, I did boo you the first time. I okay, I see. It's the safest removal, uh, but you know, Sherry, what do you think? Well, I mean, I my, my gut instinct was to agree with Luke, and I know that's not popular with you, but, but would it have made a difference if Thank Cortez you, would not have done what Cortez did? Well, I would say uh, that <laughs> Cortez was essential. Uh, most people would say that anybody could have come along and done what Cortez did, but I think that if you take the puppet master version of history a little bit here, just even if it's exaggerated, it's partially true. Cortez played a role, I mean, if Pizarro came along, he might have just killed Malinche, and then he would have been totally screwed. Uh, Cortez kind of was a trailblazer in the sense that he said a lot of the, the tricks of the trade. Who, who would have been? Who would have been? What who would have been second choice? Who would have been second choice if if General Washington didn't exist? Who would that have upon been oh, given to? Gates. Yeah, that's. I was going to say Gates. Wait, too. do you mean as General Commander of the Continental Army or as President Sherry? 
Well, I can answer them both. President John Adams, Horatio Gates would have been general, hands down, and we would have lost the war. I think one of the themes, like, for most of the episodes, minus Stalin, was that lucky factor. Mm -hmm. Like, Cortez was lucky, Columbus was lucky, Washington was lucky. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to gauge the rest of history because they all had good breaks. Good breaks. (laughs) So... I'm just going to take the side of the 50 million people he fucking killed and remove Stalin from history for a second there, okay? (laughs) It was like a funsies question. You guys got very serious with it, which was very good answers. Yeah, maybe you couldn't remove Columbus. Sherry got disgusted by the idea of removing Columbus, which kudos (laughs) to you, Sherry. I get disgusted by the idea of removing Cortez. Nobody's removing Washington. This country would have fallen apart without him. But Stalin was a real human sack of shit. And for that reason, I'm plucking him out of history and putting in somebody friendly and nice who was equally aggressive towards Nazis. I have criteria to fill Stalin's place. He's a Nazi-hating, less ruthless piece of shit. I'm in. (laughs) But the winner for the poll was actually Christopher Columbus. They said remove Columbus from history. So I guess (laughs) it kind of goes back to what we said earlier uh, in the Shots episode, Kelly with Clay, was Stalin's... Winning World War II was enough to get his sins kind of forgiven by at least Westerners. Um, I guess. The lesser of two evils. Oh, I think. Maybe. Between Maybe. him and Hitler <laughs> or between him and Columbus? I don't know. Between Hitler and Stalin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was the, the yes, yes. Uh, that I agree with. Between him and Columbus. I don't, I don't know about that. Who knows? Okay, well, um, Sherry, you're entering again. I'm confused. She's muted. She's entering. Oh, there's... Jerry in a bomber jacket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, there's an there's an echo, Sherry. There's an echo. It's 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 actually echoing nonstop. Holy cow! That was I know. I'm sorry. I, I can't get a good internet. It's okay. It's okay. We're gonna wrap up the show. So uh, that is the end of this shit show. That was certainly a damn good time for me. Uh, be sure to tune in next Friday for great number five. But number 10 in our wallets, Alexander Hamilton. Uh, There'll be a little bit of, probably a little more singing than usual in that episode. Uh, But guys, I know it's not shots heard around the world, but tradition. Are you going to be able to be objective about Hamilton? I don't know. I won't be. I'll just say it right now. I won't be. Luke and I, I came into the Hamilton, Hamilton research with the same mentality as Luke. I love that musical, but that guy is a pain in my ass. And then I started researching, and I'm like, ooh, but I like him. It's the same reason you... But Hamilton was a little stinker, but he seems to be a pretty damn good stinker. Uh, I don't know. But we have to end the show the right way with a shock. So thank you guys for everything you've done. Uh, I look forward to many more episodes of Twist of Psych and Shots Heard Around the World with you guys. I have a blast every time we record them and the people who love them must be doing something okay. Uh, Raise a glass to you guys and to the great men and soon to be women. Cheers, salute, Nostrovia. 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 I have gotten much better at taking these shots uh, of warm vodka. Cheers. (laughs) 